Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of whatever the fuck we're going to come up with to talk about today. Uh, the playoffs are going on. Keith Jones is the Poho, which it's really fun. I, I I never heard or saw the abbreviation for President of Hockey Operations until this, like, current search and now the naming of Keith Jones. And I got to tell you, Poho's a lot of fun. Uh, it is. Other it's than that, uh, we'll see what we talk about today. Let's get right into it. Let's lead things off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So speaking of Poho's, um, just a little, <laughs> a little, a brief like Are we? glimpse, a little bit, um, a brief glimpse into something that I think will be on broadstreethockey.com um, in the coming weeks. Um, We've been looking at the makeup of NHL front offices, like just for funsies, to see, uh, you know, who does what, where. And also, um, just by happenstance, friend of the pod, uh, Will, who probably doesn't listen to us anymore because he hates the Flyers, um, he posted a tweet today noting that all four of the remaining teams, uh, none of their, their general managers like we're former players. I think that he said that there's like one game of NHL experience between the four of them. Um, so yeah, the flyers are, they're doing it differently. I'm pretty sure that's incorrect. And Bates Pataglia runs the Carolina hurricanes. The last I checked, (laughs) he's probably making all the the major decisions when you think (laughs) about it. I don't think Bates Pataglia existed. So thank you for that. Yeah. I just, (laughs) <laughs> I I was like, what was what's the name? What's the name? I was like, I'm going with Bataglia. That's think. the one. <laughs> From theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So it's the most wonderful time of the year, being that <laughs> all Flyers stuff is pretty much done for like a month until the draft hits and then all that stuff happens. But the the hiring of Keith Jones. And the official elevation of Daniel Barrere to no longer interim GM, but actual GM. That was really the last bit of important flyers news that's going to happen until after the Stanley Cup final is done. So now, for me personally, I can just watch hockey and enjoy hockey and not really think about the flyers. And it's such an amazing time of the year. It's just, it's the best. It's the absolute best. I love it. I, I now can, like, forget about the flyers for a few weeks. Just ideal, ideal vibes for me right now. It's not ideal for someone who has to put together a collection of links every morning. Well, uh, sorry, not sorry, Hinkle. Sorry, not sorry. My links have left me. Tomorrow, (laughs) tomorrow, put out pictures of sausage links. Oh my God. The links. Here's some breakfast sausage. It's the morning. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, 
<clears throat> you know, a, a real funny thing, just something knee-slapping hilarious uh, about the failed state known as the Arizona Coyotes is that they've been in a conference final more recent, more recently than the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Arizona is that right? Was in, Arizona was in the Western Conference Final in 2012. Oh yeah, I forgot about the that. Flyers one. haven't been since. I forgot too. Fly- now I don't. I'm pretty sure that's the last time they were also in the playoffs at all. Yeah. But the Flyers haven't been to a conference final since 2010, and uh, that's really funny considering the Coyotes are going to be playing. I don't know in a parking lot somewhere uh, in the next couple of years. Like, uh, how does this team exist still? Why are they still doing this? You know what? I I feel bad for, you know, there are very devoted Arizona Coyotes fans that love their team, love going to games, love the players. Obviously, they've done a very cool thing with hockey down there because we're getting guys like Austin Matthews and Tay Thompson in the NHL coming from Arizona. And that's very cool and all, but also... Seeing Gary Bettman have to finally take this big shitty L is oh, yeah. so satisfying. It's so satisfying. We are very disappointed in the referent. Like, sorry, people voted. Like, should have spent some money, what- Gary. Yeah, Bye. like it's just unfucking believable. Like, y- you look at you look at Vegas and what they've been able to do in just a couple of years, and you go, "This is on nobody but the Arizona Coyotes organization 100%. in the NHL." Yep. Like this is it's not the people's fault they don't want the goddamn stadium because people know that stadiums are a grift. Yeah, now it exactly. seems like this is kind of a good deal. Like this is actually not as bad of a deal I guess as most stadiums are, but people are just sick of this shit. Uh and if you give it if you leave it to a vote, they're not they're going to say, "No, billionaire, you don't get your goddamn palace." And that's what happens. Maybe run your team like an actual professional franchise and not the dumping ground of the other 31 other organizations <laughs> and you'd have your stadium. But that's all like they've been doing this thing, like calling it rebuilding for how long? They're not rebuilding. They're not rebuilding. Shit. No, they're not. They're just a pe- they're no. just a horrible organization. No, they are they are a money laundering factory for the other teams. That's what they are. They're not rebuilding. They're hoping they they were hoping they were going to stumble into a star while they were laundering cap money for everybody else. That's that's all they are. And Gary allowed like to not- continue because like Eric Duhatchek yeah. did a really really good story today, and it was basically that like it's time to finally pull the plug. And like Eric is someone like I I know him not super well but decently well. He's a really nice guy. Like he's he's a like, one of the legendary hockey writers is still left. He's on the older side. He's literally voted for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, when he writes something, it's coming from, like, he knows all these people and has known them for decades. And in his article, he basically was like, Gary, it's time to finally give up. And the one point he made was that, like, the fact that they allowed the Arizona Coyotes to play theoretically, because now obviously it may only happen for one year, but we'll see. Apparently they're at least staying for next year that he allowed the coyotes to play in a college arena. He was like in, 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 the, in the article, he was like, it was not even the fact that it's embarrassing. He's that there is no way that Gary Bettman would ever have allowed any other team to do that other than the Arizona coyotes, because he is so personally invested in the Arizona coyotes, not leaving Arizona. And he's like, at this point, 
Like, you gotta pull the plug. Like, you've tried literally everything. It all fails. Just give up. It's over. Maybe give it another shot in a decade or two, but, like, this is over. Oh, yeah. If if the roof blew off of the Winnipeg Jets arena and they were like, hey, we need to rebuild the place. It's going to be a year or two. We're going to play in a 5,000-seat arena. He'd be like, no, no, you're going to play in Houston forever. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Th- there's no fucking way he'd allow another team to do this. And it's it, like... That's the, I don't want a fan base. There are people there who like the Coyotes. I don't want a fan base to lose its team. I, I do love seeing them have to eat this, though, because it's yeah. been... The allowances that they've gotten away with, it's just... Like, how... Is Nick Grossman still on their books? Like, they've been <laughs> doing this shit for so long. They're not building a damn thing. They're just a joke. It's just a joke of an organization. So I'm I'm happy, honestly. I can't wait for them to finally have to admit defeat and move this franchise. Yeah, it's great because um, Gary Bettman is objectively a bad general man- or general manager, a bad commissioner. Like he's not good. The only thing that he is good at, and the reason that he's kept his job for so long, is because he saves the owners money. That's literally the only yeah. thing he's been good for. And And he's not even like, that's the thing about that that pisses me off. And it just, this honestly speaks to one of the problems, not just with the NHL, but with the country as a whole and the business community as a whole is that everyone is so short term focused. So yes, he does save the owner's money and he makes the owner's money and the teams keep getting more valuable, but it's done in such a short sighted way that like if any of them actually had the willingness to like make a little bit less money today to make 20 times more money in five years they'd all be even richer but they're all so fucking short-sighted and that's the problem with the business community in this country as a whole is that everybody's so fucking short-sighted that they don't think of like it's not even like look we know it's capitalism. We know that greed runs the day. But, like, you can still be greedy, but also think in terms of a long-term plan. But they're incapable of it because all they care about is how big their next bonus is going to be. Yeah, Charlie, the NFL and the also, NBA got all the smart billionaires. The, NF- <clears throat> the NHL just got what was left, and they're all just a bunch of adults. <laughs> also, I think when we're talking about the mega-rich of this country, uh, it's important to realize they don't believe in the long term because they're planning on destroying the planet. You know, <laughs> like, oh, five years Pla- from now, I'm going to be in Mars. I'm going to be on <laughs> Mars five years from now. So I don't really give a shit oh about the long term of the NHL. Like, not wrong, folks. Anyway, back to the Flyers for a second. Mm. Um, I-, I just had to I-, I came across this little clip. Uh, that I wanted to play for people. I'm going to try to play it on my off my phone into the microphone, so we'll see if it works. Uh, if you're if you're one of these people who's just looking for any reason at all to be optimistic about Keith Jones as the president of hockey operations of the Philadelphia Flyers, I think the one thing we can all say this team needs more than anything else is high end talent and their ability to evaluate and assess and figure out who is actually a star has been in question for years. Well, I came across this clip of Keith Jones from the WIP morning show that I think might put some people's minds at ease. 
Jalen Hurts is going to be a superstar in this league, and Carson Wentz knows that Jalen Hurts is better than him. That clip is from the day after Jalen Hurts' second career start on December 21st, 2020. He knew. He knew after two games Jalen Hurts was a star. (laughs) And look now, he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. I believe this should translate easily to hockey, and we have ourselves the next great president. Yeah, twenty twenty four. Yeah, no reason to argue with you, honestly. I, listen, I, I want to be. I want to be optimistic. I, I refuse. This. To Ava be played it for me. I was Jones. like, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing. I, Ava played this clip for me, and I was like, oh, am I allowed to steal that for the podcast? Yeah. She was like. Yeah, why not? I cut it. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know if that's how it works, but no one's going to say anything to me. So <laughs> Beautiful. WIP, do not listen to this. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you right now, they probably won't. So. <laughs> All right. So You're let's... telling me Al Morgani isn't listening to our podcast every week? I'm shocked. Oh, my God. He actually may. Yeah, he might. He's got a lot of time where yeah. he just like looks into things. All right, so let, let's go into this. I know you guys, you guys did like an immediate reaction show correct like about this i i was covering everything so i did not participate in that so yeah i mean yeah and then i went to a taylor swift show so that was fun too uh but anyway um what were your guys general thoughts and have they changed it all over the last week as jonesy has done the like go around doing all the interviews parade and you've had a chance to digest everything that has went down where where are you guys at with all of this that's like uh, the immediate reaction was like what yeah you know it's <laughs> it's one of those when it when the news breaks i guess last week whatever it was um I, i'm just sitting there like no this is this okay here's the problem with the new blue checks is i don't know if this is fake or not and then like the thing is real and i'm hearing from people like close to him who are like hey um it's his if he wants it like that's what I'm getting. I was like, "What? What? <laughs> Keith Jones? Like the guy who like eats corn as a joke? Like just mountains of corn? Like uh, is just the biggest joke on? Uh, like he's just a goddamn clown." But then I think about it, and the way the the way the structure seems as if it's going to be. You know, Keith has a ton of experience dealing. With media executives and Comcast, Comcast Spectacore, media company. They're going to need to be sold on the plan because it's going to be something, if it's smart, something they're not comfortable with. And I really think this is kind of the empowerment of Danny Briere. And whether it's smart or not to believe in Danny Briere, they're going to be enacting a vision of like the actual front office, someone who is supposed to know hockey, not the vision of whoever is looking over the GM's shoulder, whether it's, you know, one of the elder councilmen, whether it's Dave Scott, like it's, it's actually going to be a hockey person who played in the 21st century's vision. And that's a start. Like it's a start. I have no idea if it's going to work or not, but I can't be negative about it yet because we have zero data points to point at and go, well, that's stupid. Uh, I'm hoping it works. Jonesy is a lot smarter than he lets on. That is 100%. Um, he is yes. constant. He is constantly like, 
while he's playing a character and being hilarious on the radio and on TV, he is constantly that way. Like, he's always fucking with you. But he is way smarter than he lets on. Like, he's successful in business. So I, I have no reason to believe it won't work. I'm happy for a guy who has done our show before, who I'm yeah. hoping will do our show again in the very near future, who I have some b- bit of a personal relationship with, very happy for him, and maybe this is what they need. Who the hell knows? Yeah, that was generally the tone of me and Bill's conversation. I mean, like, for me, I like Keith Jones so much, both as a broadcaster, like, you know, we've and I've met him very briefly. Like, I'm not gonna pretend I know Keith Jones, but like he's he seems like a very nice man. Um, like I have not a single bad thought in my head about Keith Jones, and for that reason, I'm willing to, you know, see what happens. Like, I'm not gonna be negative about this until I have a reason to. I've said that several times. That said, it is real fucking weird. It's just a weird choice. Like, it's yeah. not every day you see a, a team like just call the guy down from the broadcast booth and be like, hey, would you like to run the entire hockey team? And he's like, yeah, sure, why not? Like, it's just fucking weird. It's, and also, it's ridiculous. And also, it, I think it is important to note that while these two new guys are guys that we like, we like Danny Briere because he was a good hockey player, seems like a smart guy. We like Keith Jones. He's very funny and nice. No reason to not like him. The Flyers are pushing, pushing, pushing this new era of orange thing. (laughs) And this is exactly what they have been doing for the last 40 years. They just hired some more Flyers. So, like, I do think that there is kind of, like, it's two sides of a coin. Like, it could be very good. And these are different kinds of Flyers alumni hires. These aren't the old, old, old dudes. So that's a little bit different. However, it is still the Flyers not even really looking outside the building for someone like, they literally i mean they're gonna literally be, didn't look outside the building like didn't look you could have went to a flyers game in december and both of these guys were in the building yeah i, I think and, and and that part of it yes. annoys me a little bit because <laughs> i would this was the perfect opportunity for the flyers organization to show its fans and also the hockey media as a whole that has been fucking dunking on them for the last two years nonstop that we are doing something different and they did not do that. And that part I kind of don't like. I I think for me, and this goes back to something Bill very much hammered this home and I agree with it. It's this concept of people we know. And I have been probably out of all of the writers covering the team. I have been the most critical of the fact that they're just hiring former flyers. To the point where I feel like every time they mention it in on the record conversations, like it's like the entire room is turning to look at me as they say, like, that's a bullshit <laughs> criticism. But like the criticism does not come Please from come from a place of I think everyone who played for the Flyers is stupid. I do not. I think the vast majority of them are very good people. And are people who know hockey, they played hockey, they've been around the game, they're hockey lifers. The main problem I have with it, there's two problems, but this is really the first, the first problem and the primary problem, is that if you're only hiring people you know, are you actually 
hiring from the overall hockey pool. Like, you might stumble into finding, like, like one of the people you know might happen to be brilliant and real good at their job, and that's great, and hopefully that's what Keith Jones and Danny Briar are. But if you're only, if in the end, your, your prospective hiring pool is just people we already know, the chances of you finding a person who's real, real good at this job are not zero, but they're significantly lower than organizations that are hiring from everybody. And yes, I acknowledge that the Flyers interviewed a lot of people that were not related to the Flyers. But in the end, when the chips were down... Did they? When the chips... I was going to say, did no, they? No, they, they did. They, they did interview. Did they make some calls? No, they had actual interviews. Okay, they did. All right. But when the chips were down and they had a choice between bringing in someone who wasn't related to the Flyers and who they didn't already know and they didn't already know was a good dude who, you know, wouldn't rock the boat and isn't going to fire people who we all like because they're also good dudes. They were like, now nah, we're going to hire Keith Jones and Danny Breer. And that's my concern because it just, it, it, it promotes this group think of like, well, you know, that person might not have brought us a actual draftable prospect in 10 years, but like, he's such a good dude. And like, man, oh, I go to dinner soldier. with his family and they're all great people. And like, I don't want to fire him. Like, that's my big problem is that like, it's, it's not that I think people who worked and played for the Flyers are dumb and bad. It's that at some point, like, hiring from this very small insular pool is less likely to get you the actual best people. It's only getting you the best people who happen to be in this small insular pool. So to be clear, no. they didn't. They didn't interview for a general manager. They did not right? interview for a general manager. They decided basically yeah. from the get-go that Danny was the guy. And I mean, like, we've kind of known that just as fans. It's yes. been kind of obvious that they were grooming him to be the next guy. Yes. And and that goes into, I think, the other flaw with this process, which I kind of grilled Dan Helferty on at, both during and after the, the, uh, the press conference. And he essentially admitted it, which was that they kind of did this backwards in that, generally speaking, if you were putting together yeah, an organization from scratch— with this structure, with a president of hockey operations, the general manager, and with a coach, okay, what most organizations would do is they would hire the president of hockey operations first. The president of hockey operations would then hire a GM, and then the GM would then hire the coach. Mm -hmm. Instead, what the Flyers did was, okay, we already have the coach, and we love John Tortorella. We think he's the right guy. So... Anybody who we hire to be GM and to be president of hockey operations, they have to support John Tortorella as the coach. So then it was like, okay, well, we got to find a GM who likes the idea of Tortorella and can work with Tortorella. All right, we got this guy, Danny Briere, who's already here, who we all think is smart, who has good relationships with Comcast, and he likes John Tortorella. He will not push to fire John Tortorella. Okay, Danny's the guy. Then it was, now we need to get a president of hockey operations who will not want to fire the coach, but also will support Danny Briere as the GM, who does not want to clean house. And therefore, there were quite a few people in this process who came in and were like, look, I love the idea of being president of hockey operations of the Philadelphia Flyers. You guys have a ton of money, you're a prestigious organization, and I would be a hero if I fixed this. But if I'm going to come in and be president of hockey operations, 
I want to hire my own people. I want to build my organization. And the Flyers were like, nah, okay, that's cool. We'll look, we'll look elsewhere. So that also, I think, shrunk the proposed hiring pool. I would imagine and a lot. And then that gets <laughs> On a- yes, and that gets you to a point where then maybe the best hire you can make really is a Keith Jones because he loves the team so much that he's willing to work within this framework that you yourself created, which is different from the way and the way generally speaking you structure an organization. On a uh, on thirty two thoughts from last week where they discussed the Keith Jones uh, hire, it was stated that <clears throat> it's believed there was at least one candidate who kind of balked at the opportunity because of the power the general manager was going to have. And if you're a president and thinking you're above the GM, and then it's like, no, the GM kind of has final say, I can understand not wanting that gig. I also kind of like that they're going to like empower one guy to do everything and entrust the rest of the organization to get that thing done. You know, like, whether it's the president or the GM or the coach, at this point, just have a vision. Have some sort of plan. It's all I've been asking for. I have also heard, now I don't know who else they, uh, who they actually interviewed for the president of hockey operations position. I did hear that Eddie Olchek was never actually up for it. Yeah, like maybe they talked about him. I, maybe I, they talked yeah. about him, but there was no interview. Yeah, I've heard that too. I've heard that that may have been just media, like people taking a name and then reporting it as if it was actually news. Um, I I got that. It sense sounds as like well. it was Jonesy for a little bit. Yeah, there's also the possibility, like maybe, and this I don't know because I didn't hear one way or the other. Maybe Eddie Olchick was like the Jonesy smokescreen because Jonesy made it clear ah. that that he wanted. He wanted the, his involvement in this process to be very, very clandestine. Like he did not want anyone to know because he didn't want to. He didn't want to mess up the whole process. So maybe because him and Eddie Ulchik are obviously buddies, maybe he kind of went to Ulchik and was like, "Hey, is it okay if like you know you kind of position it as like, hey, I'm I'm you, but not really, because like they basically both have the same job." <laughs> Yeah, I do. I believe that that's a definite possibility. Um, it's the whole, like, as you were saying about the, like, the former Flyers, it's it's not that being a Flyer should be disqualifying. It's that not being one is. Yes. Yeah, like, yes. That's, 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 that's the biggest problem. Yes, exactly. Because the pool, the pool <laughs> like, is... You did the like, one thing. You did the one thing that most fans were begging you not to do. Exactly. And it happens to be people we like, so we're going to wait and see. And what the hell, we have no actual power, so we're going to wait and see and hope for the best. But, like, on the surface, it's like, God damn it, this was your opportunity. That said, I have no reason to believe it won't work yet. It other might. than the fact that it's just the Flyers and nothing they've done has worked for thirty years, yeah. Uh, like, I, and, and I, I, think, I just, yeah, and and I think too, like, I mean, for me, and I know for you, but for me as well, like, like I know Keith Jones. I like, I'm not gonna say like I'm like yeah. best buddies with Keith Jones, but like I know him decently well. He's always around. He's a good dude. I like, and I tried to make this clear on Twitter. Like, I am happy for him, the person. Like, I really am happy he got this job. I know he's like 
kind of always had in the back of his head that he would love to be an official member of the Philadelphia Flyers organization. And now he got this job that probably was kind of a dream of his. I'm real happy for him. I, I love the fact that a good person got rewarded because trust me, there are bad people yeah. who were advocating to get this yeah. job. And I'm very glad that they weren't rewarded for being bad people. Yeah. Keith Jones is a good person. I am glad he got this job. However, however, it makes it tough because like, like because I like Keith Jones so much, I was kind of even twisting my brain in, in circles, being yes. like, why is this a good idea? Why could this work? And then every yeah. every day or so, at one point, it would hit me, this clarity, and then I would have to laugh out loud, and it was, the Philadelphia Flyers hired their color commentator to run the team. <laughs> like, that, like, that is objectively fucking ridiculous. And you have to laugh. It sure because is. Because it is, when you boil no, it down to that, it is absolutely ridiculous. No, and I like I do not think he would have a problem with my reaction to like <laughs> it's fucking funny. It's funny. Like, it's really it's, funny. It's obje- He's got to know. It's He's got to know. Objectively funny. Yeah. It's objectively funny that they hired this guy specifically. <laughs> and again, like I like I think he's a lot smarter than he let than he lets on. I agree. But he's a ridiculous human being. And he is the color commentator. Now, the national perspective, he's not, it's not like he stepped off the ice and into the front office for this team. He's done a bunch of other things. Like, he was on the WIP morning show for 20 years. He's been on the local broadcast. Yeah, long time. He was there forever. I did not realize that. He's been on the local broadcasts. He's been the national in studio. Like, he's had every job in media. Uh, I don't know if that's qualifying or not. I know he's got a lot of experience and he's got a lot of connections. That's positive. That's positive. But when you just say the color commentator is now the president, like, oh, you know, it would be even funnier. A reality TV star becoming president. Oh, wait. Anyway, uh, oh, <laughs> that's, a, that's an America joke. There. Yikes. I got um, it. Yikes. But yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, where is this going to go? We don't know. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a concerning... It's a concerning process, I feel like, to get us here because, and there's a lot of ways this could this could be messed up. Like the 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 level of certainty they have in that John Tortorella is the right guy is wild to me. Yeah, like they are convinced. Yeah, can we talk about that? They a are convinced bit? that like Torts has to be a major part of this and has to like have a lot that's, of power. That is wild. And like, like that's, that's like the base of all this. If that's a faulty assumption, then this whole thing is yeah. going to be a debacle. That's, <laughs> Kelly and I talked about Kelly and I talked about the Tortorella of it all. When we did our reaction, what was that Friday? I don't, I don't yeah, know. The Friday. Days I yeah. don't know days, but yeah. uh, when we did our reaction, it was like, you don't hear like when they put out their statement. It was was it the new orange state era of new orange, whatever yeah, the fuck yeah, the yeah, statement yeah. New was. New era of orange. Like, yeah, when they name like the structure, maybe it's because I don't follow the goings on day to day of every other team. I just feel like okay, president and GM, these are the guys, like owner, whoever's going to be like the front and center, front office, the people making decisions. You don't lump the coach in. 
Like, especially in hockey. Like, hockey is yeah. not football. Like, in the NFL, you're absolutely looking for you're looking for your coach-quarterback combo, the guys that you put together and hope, like, we got 10 years. We got 10 fucking years here. Like, in hockey, you got five tops. And that's if you're good. Like, <laughs> guys are hired to be fired in this sport. And it happens like that. I... It's an interesting proposition. Now, I've said all along, I expect John Tortorella to be more than the coach of this team. He sounds very, when I think Charlie asked him at the end of the year, and he was like, I'm not angling for, you know, a front office thing or like, and I was like, oh, oh, all right, bud. All right, relax. (laughs) Uh, But like, it seems as if he's going to, if he's not behind the bench for the Flyers, he's still a flyer, right? I get the sense that, like, when he decides to hang him up, unless it ends in a lot of drama and craziness, which, like, it's John oh, Tortorella, it certainly could. But, like, when he decides to hang up the coaching suit or whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, <laughs> he'll be, like, the next senior advisor. Like, he's going to be, like, falling oh, into yeah. that realm where, like, he can shape the future of the Flyers from an advisory role. That that seems to me, like, how this is this is setting up to play out. I guess we'll see. Because, look, like, as I said, one of the truly concerning parts of this is just how much faith they're putting in John Tortorella. And I think John Tortorella did a good job this year, for the most part. I think he got as much out of the team as possible. Unfortunately, he did. That said, like... With Daryl Sutter gone in Calgary, like, John Tortorella is, like, kind of a unicorn in terms of how old school his approach is. And, like, there really aren't any other coaches left like him, and the Flyers are just convinced that, like, this is the way to go. I don't know. It's, like, this could still fall apart real bad in terms of, like, like, the Flyers are going to be drafting high. No, they're not going to be getting a Connor Bedard. But, like, what happens if, like, okay, so let's say they draft, I don't know, let's not say Mitch Koff because he, by the time he comes over, Tortorella is probably not going to be coached one way or the other. But, like, let's say they draft, like, I don't know, let's say they get extremely lucky and they get Will Smith and he slips. And now they have Will Smith and Cutter Gauthier. And they both show up and they both can't fucking deal with torts. Like, then what happens? You've built this yeah. whole structure and this whole rebuild, and you've all acknowledged that you need high-end talent, and then the two guys most likely to be high-end talent can't stand the coach you built the whole structure on. Like, I don't know. There's just, there's so many ways this could fall apart. If it works, they're all going to look see. like geniuses. But, like, this is That's... this is very, very tenuous in my mind in terms of this actually working. Yeah. The pyramid's upside down. It's I can see yeah. it working for, like, a year where he just... Makes a man out of those two. To honestly, just really, it's horrible and they don't like it. But he makes men out of them. And then for the rest of their careers, they really, really appreciate how good they have it playing for (laughs) not John (laughs) Tortorella. I swear to God. I swear to God, this is what happened with the Philadelphia Phillies under Charlie Manuel. Is that the guys who played for Larry Boa all were like, hey... Let's work hard every single day because if we don't, this guy's going to get fired and they're going to bring in another asshole like Larry Boa and we're all going to hate coming to work every single day. And since none of us want that because we have to do it and it's fucking hot, like, (laughs) let's not be miserable too. And then they just tried real hard and they won a ton of games for a guy who thought 
like everyone thought was like an an, an imbecile. You know, like oh, how dare you speak ill of Charlie work. Manuel? He's a legend. I love Charlie. I love Charlie. But when he was hired, we called him Elmer Befuddled. So like, I mean, it's fair. He, he never he never learned how to articulate words. That is true. Yeah, like you know, it's just it it happened. Uh, so <laughs> hope maybe one one year under Tortorella for some young guys will make the rest of their career easier. It's it's the way I feel about Keith Jones. What's it going to get worse? Like, so was he going to run the organization into the ground? <laughs> can't do it. You can't. You, like, we are literally show up in a car we are under the ground. Like, <laughs> the ground yeah, like, has been surpassed yeah, like, years like, ago. It's like you jump in a pool and then someone shoots you with a water gun. You're not more wet. Like, <laughs> you're the same amount of wet. Like, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I... If I have to, if we have to deal with John Tortorella, the idea of him, you know, making Cutter Gauthier cry a couple of times, and as a result, he plays better hockey or whatever the fuck happens. I don't know, I don't know. why people are obsessed know. with John Tortorella being mean to hockey players. Whatever. Um, that, I'm fine with that. Whatever. That's a thing. And obviously, he can extract talent from a, a shitty hockey team because the Flyers should have probably won like 12 games last season and they didn't. Okay, fine. The thing is, though, I don't want John Tortorella telling Danny Briere, hey, That's bring me another Nick Delorier because he plays the game the right way and he's a good influence on the room and like he's got grit and he never quits. Like I that is a problem to me because that's not going to get us out of this hole that we are, as you just said, in very deeply. We need someone to be an adult and say, no. We're not going to do grit first. We're going to find very good hockey players that have grit, like Matthew Kachuk or whatever. Because, like, I I feel like hockey men look at a player like Kachuk and they see the the grit first and think that's why he's good. But that's not the case. He's just very, very, very good at hockey. And also, because his dad is Keith Kachuk, will fuck you up a little bit. Like, that's fine. That kind of grit is fine. But you can't go grit first. And I think John Tortorella is the kind of guy that when he's trying to fill out his little roster of boxes that he wants to fill up is going to be looking for grit. And I don't want Danny Briere to be looking for grit ever. Not at all. We don't need it. We've or, had it long enough. Or at least not no yet. Good. At least it's not yeah. necessary. We just need to focus on good hockey yes, players. Yes. That's it. And, and that, that, I think, that I think is another concern I had about, about Jonesy. Because like, look, We've all watched Flyers broadcast, oh, even be, e- even before they acquired Rasmus Ristolainen. Keith Jones was openly advocating for years for the Flyers to go out and acquire Rasmus Ristolainen. And then after they acquired Rasmus Ristolainen, there is nothing that Keith Jones enjoys more than giving Rasmus Ristolainen the Wells Fargo great check of the game. It is like one of the joys in life that will that he will have to sacrifice by taking this job. Like I don't know, like that we've heard that Danny Briere is forward thinking and analytics oriented. And like I do think he's open to it. He's still a former hockey player, so I'm questioning just how open he is to it. But I do think he's open to it, and he thinks it's valuable. However, now he is now the two main people in his ear are going to be John Tortorella and Keith Jones. It's like he's got. Two devils on each each shoulder, like <laughs> like they're going to be be playing to his hockey man instincts. 
Like, I, yep. I have very oh, big God. concerns that if they tell him that, like, hey, you know that Cutter Gautier kid? Yeah, he's soft because he doesn't hit. Need to get rid of him. That he'll do it. Oh, God. And that concerns the oh, shit God. out of me. I don't like that at all. <laughs> it's concerning. Oh, right back. It is. It, right it's back where we started from. Uh, the oh, good goal, son. Uh, it's, it's truly. It's, <laughs> it's truly the same thing. It, it's Groundhog's Day every single day. Like, yeah. that's, oh, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear of the team is that they're going to be 12 Scott Lawton's. <laughs> six Rasmus Ristolainen. Yes. Yeah. That's my biggest fear. Yes. Like, and and, and the fucking John goes, Tortorella would love that lineup. He would be so into it. Oh, yeah. And then the goalie goes, uh, I don't want to be here anymore. And then we're, <laughs> we're out of the only thing. Oh, we're out God. of the only thing we thought we had. Oh, my yeah. God. So we'll see. And, and I, I don't want this to come off as me being like Keith Jones is just a dinosaur who thinks – like, he's not. He's smart. He knows the game. But he is more of an old-school thinker. And John Tortorella is also more of an old-school thinker. And they are both open about that. And I hope that Danny Briere, despite the fact that he is a first-time GM with very little front-off experience – will have the backbone to tell them, like, no, I am fine with having a top-line you know, top winger who doesn't hit a lot if he scores 90 points a year. Like, that's not a problem. That's a good thing. I, just, I hope that he will not be browbeaten by the more experienced hockey men that are in his midst and has the, like, the ability to stand up and be like, no, we're building a team with a lot of skill, and if you don't like that, there's a door. Yes. Well, it's just like, I, I always look at the Tampa structure. Like, Tampa built an all-star team, and then I don't actually think they needed these guys, but it was the narrative that they did, so they went out and got them. They found their Patrick Maroon, they found their Luke Shen, and then they win. I, they probably win without them. But the fact is, you can find those guys anywhere. Yeah. They're constantly available because the league is chock full of them. Mm -hmm. You can go get them. Build the all-star team first, and then if you're quote-unquote too soft, there's ways of fixing that. Yep. You know? Yep. Like, you can always go find those other dudes. But let's get the good guys first. And I, I don't know what the priorities of this front office are going to be. I just hope that they know the problem is they haven't had enough good players. Yes. Like it's a very, yes. very simple, it's a very simple fucking thing. They lack really good players and have for quite some time. Even when they had Giroux and Voracek, that was it. That was it. Their left winger was Michael Roffel one year. That's a fucking embarrassment. Andrew McDonald, their prime top pair defenseman. Yeah, like Andrew McDonald's your number one defenseman. You've wasted the prime of two of the best players you've had in twenty years. Congratulations. Yay. Let's not do that again. Let's get them even more great players. Like there's no limit on the amount of good players you can have. You know uh, what? It, it, it's not illegal to have good third liners. This just popped into my head. And Charlie, this I don't know if this is something that you would know yet or not. Is there any indication that they will be doing any replacing of like scouting staff or whatever? So like I've so I've tried to dig into that. Um, all I've really been able to 
dig up is that they're not ruling out making changes to the front office structure. That said, like a lot of this stuff I think would come after the draft because like particularly Mm. if we're talking about amateur scouts, you know, Brent Flair is obviously the assistant GM in charge of the draft. They've done the work. Yeah, like you're not gonna fire them now. Number one, because like you want them, they've done the whole year, multiple years of scouting. Number two, like you fire any of them now, they're just going to get hired by another team for six weeks to tell that other team everything the Flyers think on <laughs> players. Like It's just dumb. Yeah. Like It's a dumb thing to do. I, I don't know. I really don't. I was it, thinking long term. If I had to guess, I would guess that there might be a couple changes, but like hiring Jonesy and Briere, it is like if you were going to mostly keep the like the yeah. the structure the infrastructure of the organization together like these are the people you would hire to do it because like Briere's been around he knows these people now Jonesy like yes he wasn't employed by the team he was employed by the company that also owns the team but like he wasn't employed by the team that said like <laughs> I mean look I I don't travel to every single game but I go on the road like th- what happens is you have all these team employees scouts whatever assistant GMs people that that were on the trip. They're all eating and they're all chatting before the game with Keith Jones and Steve Coates and Tim Saunders. Like, this is like, yeah. Jonesy knows all these people. And, like, I don't think he is going to necessarily believe or even want to, like, go in with a, a hacksaw and just start firing people. Like, he has pre existing relationships yeah. with all these guys. <clears throat> and I don't think he's going to be like, you know what we need to do? We need to change up our player development staff so it's not entirely all former Flyers. Like, because guess what Guess what he is? He's also a former Flyer yeah. who's friends with all of them. It's just one of those things that doesn't get talked about a lot because none of those guys are front-facing and, like, no, you don't know all of their names and stuff. But, like, the Oh, Flyers, yes, you do. <laughs> you, we do know all their the names. Flyers. Not for being <laughs> development coaches, but we know their names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Flyers great, Mark Gregg. Um, the... The Flyers haven't drafted particularly well for, like, a very long time. Like, the Flyers are not the teams that find a gem in the fourth round that, you know, ends up being some sick player. Like, I don't know. It wasn't, like, half of Carolina's roster drafted pretty late. I mean, Sebastian Ajo was a second-round pick. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the Flyers... Slavin, Pesci, like, these are not guys that were taken in the first round. Right, that's what I mean. And it's like... I feel like that organizationally hopefully would be looked at because the only way out of this really is drafting. So like they kind of need to find, you know, pots of gold in the later rounds, especially because they don't have any seconds. It's like, I mean, it's, it's mildly concerning. And by mildly, I'm, I'm understating this purposely. Like it's mildly concerning. I'm looking at their front office staff right now. They have three college scouts. One of them is Wade Clark. One of them is Kyle Shiro. Like, like, is there really no one, no one better? I wonder that... how they got those jobs. They probably had so many rounds of interviews. <laughs> I bet they're, I, I bet, bet they had to write a I bet they're the most letter. qualified for the position, you know? Yeah. I bet yeah. they're the most qualified for the position. In fact, really I'm going to have an op-ed. Resume. I'm going to have an op-ed in the New York Times this week about how uh, being a, a nepotism baby is actually more challenging than earning what you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I will someone like, please think of the Nepo babies? Bob Clark's kids uh, probably had it very tough. It, you know, 
you got to carry that name around. Oh, my God. Uh, Do you think, like, what do you think their timeline is? Do you think they're gearing up for a, because it seems like there's going to be a lot, like, a pretty lengthy evaluation process. I think they realize this is a multi-year. Oh, job, they do. Right? I-, I think they do. I think they probably are more optimistic about the timeline than we are. But I think they yes. know that, like, I think they know that the Flyers next year are probably not going to, are almost certainly not going to make the playoffs. And then the following year, I think they might be hoping that like they're reaching the point where they are an intriguing bubble team, but they're certainly not a cup contender. Like I think, I think there are at least there's this off season, the following off season, and the off season after that. I think we've got at least three off seasons where they are not actively planning to go out and like trade assets for players or go out in free agency and sign a guy. I think, like, I mean, they might be hoping that on the ice the team is turn, is turning the corner and getting better, but, like, they're not going to turn the corner mentality-wise for at least another, like, two or three off-seasons, including this one. Because, like, we've talked about this before. The young pieces that they do have are not 18 and 19. Yeah, it's a fair They're point. 24. Like, if they're going to win with these guys, if these guys are a part of like the team that's good again, they're going to have to go spend at some point. They're going to be buyers in order to build around this thing. Or you could just like, for example, like let's say we got a guy like Owen Tippett. All right. Owen Tippett is not young, but Owen Tippett looks like he's a player. He looks like he's on a very much an upward trajectory. Like they can keep him for now. And then if two years down the line, when he's 26, they realize, Oh, actually we're, we're, you know, further away than we think. They can just trade them then. Like they don't have oh, yeah. to. They don't have to trade these guys now. You can keep them, try to boost their value even more, and then you have. There's two possibilities: either you guys turn it around quick and he can be part of it, or you don't turn it around quick, but he's a good player and he still has trade value. You can still pick up first round pick for him. So, like, I don't think I, I do agree, Bill, that like that has to be a consideration. However, I don't think that has to be so much of a consideration where you look at that and you say, okay, well, because of that, we have to trade Owen Tim. We have to trade Noah Cates. We have to trade, we have to trade everybody that is, you know, 23 and 24 too. You may have to, maybe two years down the road you have to, but you don't have to trade them now. You can keep them and you can see oh, if they get I'm better. Even, I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about trading these guys necessarily. It's just like, right now we think they have a pretty good core of depth guys and they need top-end talent to, to make this thing work. Yeah, Those depth guys are, like, in or entering their prime. If they're going to actually be a part of it, that those top-end guys aren't going to be dudes you get in the first round over the next three years. They're going to be guys you trade for or you sign as free agents. Yeah. Like, you can still draft and develop and have, like, a next wave, but if you're going to win with some of the guys they have now, Frost, Cates, Tippett, Carter Hart, Wade Allison, like this group of dudes who actually seems like they can play a little bit. It's it's not five years from now. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's you're right. Two. I was gonna That's say a- I actually do worry. One of my worries is that they think they're on a two year timeline, like this off season and next off season, and then we're a playoff team. Well, what what I and will that, that I think is a little ambitious. What I will say is that a rebuild doesn't have to take that long. It really no, doesn't. No, it's just no. it has to be a well-executed rebuild. 
Which then, but the thing That's is, like, like that goes back to the, the the thing we've been talking about from the start of the show, which is, are the people they hired going to be able to execute a, a a well executed rebuild? Like, we don't know. But if they do, like, a team can turn around pretty quick if it's done well. It's just, are they going to be able to do it well? I guess we'll see. I'm not willing to rule out the possibility um, they, that they can't execute a, a good rebuild. They could do it, and if they could, if they do it, then guys like Owen Tippett and Carter Hart and Noah Cates are very much part of the timeline. If they can't, then they're not. But if they can't, we have bigger problems than what to do with Owen Tippett. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's yes. Um, we're gonna wrap it up in a second, just real quick. So the final four, huh? Everyone yeah. saw these teams coming. Um. <laughs> Uh, especially with Carolina, Florida. Yeah, the East is the it, more surprising one. I Those, just have the, this, the West. Like I have this the West feeling is about fine. that. That's like both Vegas and I mean, I think, it's about right. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of thought maybe this is the Oilers' year, but like Vegas and Dallas are like probably the two like that. Vegas, Dallas, Colorado, and Edmonton came in and were like those are the four best teams in the West. Two of them got in. Like it just probably wasn't the two we all thought it was. Yeah, be. that's I was expecting Dallas, Edmonton. Dallas Vegas, it's going to be a good series. Yeah, I have this feeling Florida's going to keep this up, man. I don't know if they're going to win the cup, but I think they're going to go. I really do. I uh, th- want the Canes. What's going there. on with them is weird. It is weird. It's it. It's fucking Bob. They're getting Bob, bullied. baby. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I w- I want the Canes to be there, and they're getting Tara Vinen back, so that's good for them. It is good. Yeah, now is, the, uh, the only guy they're is really Rope mi- Hints gonna be. The con Smythe. I mean, I want to bet on him. if Dallas wins, he very was Robertson hasn't really done shit. So yeah, it's probably yeah, it's probably which is weird. I would guess like, unless like he's got unless as many Ottinger, points as the Edmonton guy. Yeah, unless Ottinger stands on his head the final two rounds, and that's how Dallas wins. Like yeah, Hintz is probably the guy, and he's fucking awesome, man. No, coming in, I was like, oh, if it's Dallas, it'll be Ottinger, and his numbers just haven't been that good. Uh, through the first two rounds. Now, obviously, he can have a nine sixty for the next yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. Boom, he's Con Smythe. But uh, Rupe hints or Rope hints. Rope. I, I always say it wrong. Rope. He's, he's scoring. Absolutely not. Rope. Yeah. No, ma'am. Rope. I'm sorry, <laughs> he's, buddy. That's your name. He's scoring at a pace like the Edmonton Oilers guys. So, and they're all out. Yeah, it's so. insane. I, it could be him. All right. Anything else before we wrap it up? No. Oh, when's the draft party, Kelly? Uh, on draft day. <laughs> yeah I, where at, uh, <laughs> you know sport and social at the uh live casino down there by the stadiums steph driver is going to set us up with a very nice party so you're going to want to be there so mark it on your calendars all right that'll do it for us thank you all for listening thanks for hanging out if you haven't already you got to hit that subscribe button search broad street hockey wherever there are podcasts and you'll get us and you'll get fly purbly and lots of stuff as uh, the season approaches again. Again, thank you uh, to Kelly and Charlie. My name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports?
What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.